this was taken from a plein air painting and the painting just didn't turn out. The colors were muddy. I couldn't get any space in it. It was one of those ones where I should just toss this, but I liked the composition. And so I decided to collage it to resolve issues that I couldn't resolve in the painting. I did it one-to-one. They're exactly the same size because it was a, a lesson on how do I separate this density of trees to make sense instead of just this mush of green. So I, once again, the freedom of making that one tree forward, the light yellow tree, so much lighter than it was when I painted it. And uh, making the background trees that dark purple with pink highlights. I mean, I didn't do that in my painting, but I can do it in a collage. I think I give myself more permission to play and experiment with these than I do when I'm actually seeing it. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 267th episode, I'm excited to be joined by Michelle Bondron, who currently lives and works in Oakwood, Ohio. We talk all about her paintings and collage works that inform each other. Her observational works are mostly plein air and based off of observation, soaking in those colors, those experiences, and working through some mid-size canvases with layers and layers of paint. We talk about how those eventually led to more exploration of color, and of course how the collage works operate slightly differently. They allow for a lot more risk-taking, exploration of different colors, different approaches, and they become really dimensional, and we talk especially about how that work developed. In addition to that, we also cover Michelle's upbringing, her studying sculpture in school, how she had a career, a family, and always made work, but especially struck fire in the last number of years and really went after it, especially in the pandemic. We talk all about that. Definitely go check out more work at michellebondurant.net. And of course, be sure to follow her on Instagram at michelle underscore bondurant underscore studio. In case you haven't heard, Studio Break just turned 10 years old, and to commemorate that, we're having an extra special professional competition this year. Our juror, Erica B. Hess, is a fabulous painter and host of I Like Your Work podcast. She'll be selecting 10 artists to appear on an upcoming episode of Studio Break and to feature their work on our website. In addition to that, we'll be giving away two solo exhibitions in West Chicago that open up in 2022. One space is Hedgehog Gallery, and the other is my Studio Break Gallery. So very excited about that. If you want to apply, it's super easy. You just submit a small fee. You send an email with your information, your web address, and all of that good stuff. And once again, if you want to find out more information, just go to studiobreak.com, look for our pro competition page, and apply today. If you are new to the podcast, I would recommend going on over to studiobreak.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got a wealth of interviews. Each of those posts up on Studio Break have images of the artist's artwork, links to their website, so you can find out all about them. And of course, you can listen right there or just subscribe if you listen to Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find Studio Break and follow us on social media, so be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and of course, on Instagram. Be sure to say hello at Studio underscore Break. And with those brief announcements, let's get right to this interview with Michelle Bondurant. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Michelle Bondurant. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful afternoon. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, here, though, it is a little bit overcast, but as somebody that is uh, also a plein air painter, there's something wonderful about green when you see it, you know, on overcast days or rainy days, even you start seeing all these variations that you don't see in the sunlight. So, oh, it is. I love to paint when it's flat. And yeah. there's not sharp sh- shadows like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So again, very exciting to have you on the podcast. Obviously, you know, I became uh, familiar with your work, you know, through Instagram and just been really drawn to it. It's so colorful and, and exciting. Thank you. We've already alluded a little bit to the plein air painting and some of the recent kind of collages. And I'm sure we'll talk all about that. So yeah, again, thanks so much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So to start out at the beginning, as you as you know, as someone that, that listens to the podcast, I always like figuring out the, the early uh, initial stages. And if I'm not mistaken, you indicated like, you know, from a younger age, this was something that you wanted to do. You wanted to explore art. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I, I am one of those people who always drew and painted and I didn't come from an artistic family. So we weren't going to museums or anything like that. It's just something I'd I did. I would get paper and crayons and paint, and my parents noticed that I was doing that and uh, would buy me little art kits and little painting kits, and I would be so excited for birthdays or Christmas, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have any formal training. We were in Youngstown at the time, and I moved to Dayton and uh, discovered the Dayton Art Institute because I could walk to it from my house, and uh, that's where I started taking some drawing classes when I was in junior high. Was it something too kind of where you grew up where you were kind of always interested in maybe being outdoors? And I don't know, I, I always think of like creative people. And again, maybe that's a stereotype, but as, you know, people that like to get lost in the woods and, you know, build <laughs> forts and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, that's very much the truth. I was, uh, you know, because of my age, a generation where no one was worried about us being kidnapped. And we had mm-hmm. we were told to go out and come back at dinner. And I lived near a park system and my brothers and sisters and friends would just go down to the creek and catch crawdads and just roam all day and get filthy and then come (laughs) back home. And but I had a great love of the outdoors because of that. Absolutely. And obviously that that's something that carries over. Maybe tell us about those initial early experiences. You started taking like drawing classes or painting classes. So the Dayton Art Institute was maybe three blocks from my house. My parents looked into classes and I was able to take drawing classes during the summer Mm -hmm. when I wasn't in school and I just loved it. And I had never been in an art museum. So as I roamed through the museum, I think I was in sixth, seventh grade, you know, I was just just fascinated by all the artwork. Mm -hmm. I saw my first hopper and just fell in love. So that made me want to pursue art. I decided right then that's what I was going to do. So you're starting to take some of these classes during the summer and obviously, you know, something that's going to kind of ignite that, that interest and passion for it. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that you were kind of indicating, you know, maybe taking some classes, but then in high school, that was something that (laughs) that you couldn't do. So maybe, maybe talk a little about that. Oh, that was so strange. I was attending Catholic high school. I was in the Catholic school system in We moved from one parish to another, and they tested everyone in eighth grade to determine whether or not they were good enough to be in the art program. And I wasn't it. I didn't get tested because I moved into the district. Mm -hmm. I'm with my counselor. What classes do you want to take? And I was at art. And it's like, well, you can't. How about drafting? 
do you want to take drafting? It's kind of like art. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like, no, it's not. You use pencils, but that's the only commonality. It was a battle that I couldn't win. So I just drew on my own at home and, and tried to learn on, you know, just on my own. Mm-hmm. When I was a senior, there were so many complaints that they changed the rules and I got to take art, but I didn't have a portfolio and no guidance toward applying to uh, universities mm-hmm. like people who had been it for four years. So I just applied to Wright State and uh, went there. So to think about what kind of things that you were kind of creating on your own outside of this experience, I mean, were you kind of like drawn towards landscapes and things like that? Or were you kind of drawing fantastical things? Or I was drawing things I saw around my house, more like still lives, copying photos of things I liked. I wasn't working from you know, outdoor landscape observation, I wasn't aware of being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I was also, you know, gluing and pasting images together, which is interesting, because that's what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Just kind of just being creative on my own. You know, in terms of that experience at Wright State, then, you know, what was that like? Because I, again, imagine, you know, it's certainly a different environment where you're not able to kind of be admitted to a program. Did you start out with, with art right away in mind? Or... Oh, yeah. I declared an art major from the beginning. I did painting 101, all the beginning classes, printmaking. I was not taking sculpture at that time. I was focusing on painting. And I think it was my sophomore year, I started to build out. I wanted to build out from the canvas. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that would be interesting. And so my instructor said, why you should try a sculpture class. And so I did. And I loved it. I just loved welding and Mm -hmm three-dimensional work. And I used a lot of found objects to create sculptures because I didn't have any money. And uh, it was it was great. Maybe talk a little bit more about some of those experiences too, then in terms of like the kind of things that you would make. So you, you're kind of utilizing found objects. Are there, you know, artists at this time that you start kind of studying that kind of influenced that? Initially, when they, we were given assignments to create, you know, create a three-dimensional anything, just do in like Sculpture 101, uh, my mother was a nurse and she could bring me home all these empty IV bottles. <laughs> and I created this huge sculpture of going from large bottles to little tiny ones that hung from the ceiling with wire. And I was really interested in the repetition of shape and then the shrinking the shape all the way down to the floor. So that's the kind of thing I would just take what I had and try to create something. And I noticed I tended to want to create patterns Mm -hmm. and repetitive shapes. After that, they taught me how to weld. Mm-hmm. And I started going to the scrap iron place and getting steel. And I loved rusted steel. And I really fell for the minimalists. I was very big on Tony Smith and Carl Andre, Richard Serra, and then uh, Robert Smithson and his outdoor work. So one of my very first, probably my junior year, I welded three 50-foot long, about eight-inch wide strips of steel and hung them off the side of the art building. Back then, it was uh, new at Wright State, and they they gave me one of those airlift (laughs) things. They let me use it. They drove it up for me. I pulled the steel up to the top of the building, three-story building, and drilled it into the the walls. 
and then they came across a patio and up on another wall. They would only let me keep it there for two weeks. They were afraid I was going to rust the building, <laughs> but it was great. It was just, uh, it was a great piece. It's, it's so interesting to think about some of those earlier experiences. And I would imagine then like, you know, like a lot of the artists that you mentioned, you know, are kind of, kind of pushing these ideas of that physical relationship with, with, you know, the work, you know, because you can walk around a sculpture in a way that, you know, it doesn't work as well with a, with a painting when you see the backside of it. Right. Right. And I would imagine, you know, that was something that changed too. You, you mentioned earlier that, you know, that wasn't something that you had a lot of experience with in, in terms of exposure to art. Did you wind up, you know, seeing a bit more art too at this time when you, when you're studying? I did. The art department actually arranged several trips to New York. Uh, they'd got a bus and anybody wanted to go you know, paid your bus fee and hotel and got they got group rates and I got to go to New York and look at all that art there. You know, I got to actually see a uh, Carl Andre and uh, a uh, Richard Serra and, and just was overwhelmed by the work. And also, however, I looked at paintings and, you know, I was aware of, you know, Matisse and Mirandi and Cezanne and all that. And, and I was looking at those. And so it just expanded my knowledge of art. And at the time, was there some kind of, you know, like culminating exhibition? Do you have like a, a BFA show in terms of, you know, putting a, a series of cohesive work together, that kind of thing? I did. I, you, I had a solo show and they had a main gallery, but then they had a auxiliary uh, exhibition gallery. Mm-hmm. And I actually designed a piece for that space. It was an installation. So the wire that you pour concrete over the reinforcement wire mm-hmm. came in grids and I cut them all into, I think they were five foot squares and laid them on the floor. And it was a five sided gallery, I believe. And I cut it to fit that. And then I did a series of, they were etchings. I printed the shape of the gallery and then wired every variation I could come up with, if you wanted to arrange these, it, over the whole floor, mm-hmm. every option. And that was on the other wall. So it was extremely minimalism, very current for the time. It's always interesting to kind of wrap one of those experiences because it's, you know, so chock full of all of this time and energy. And, you know, you're putting all your investment into making work for so long because obviously like you lose some of those facilities, right? I can't imagine that it's very easy to weld, for example, right after <laughs> right after graduation. But maybe, maybe talk a little about that because obviously... You know, there's um, a whole life that, you know, is kind of experienced there before you start kind of, you know, coming back into to doing right. art and, and what we know about your work now. Well, several years, I just would take a class at Wright State and I was working full time at a hospital in the emergency room because it was a good pay. Mm-hmm. Just so I had the facilities and the space. They had a, a ton of room. I was starting to do some work digging in the ground and making earthworks. So I did that. But, uh, you know, I couldn't do that forever. And then I met my husband, mm-hmm. of course, dating and all that and ended up getting married. And then, you know, the first child comes along and, you know, we've got mortgage and bills sure. to pay. And so uh, I dabbled. I still did. Uh, I started doing a few paintings at home, acrylic mostly, because I could do a little table with one child on, on the side and then number two comes along. Sure. <laughs> and by the time three comes along, there were <laughs> that was it. There was no there was no time. But interesting enough, while I was pregnant with the second, I went to our local community college and got 
an associate's degree in drafting of all things. <laughs> I ended up being a drafter first on paper and then an AutoCAD drafter because uh, it was good work. I was good at it. It paid well. And I thought it was very ironic that I ended up doing what I was so adamant <laughs> I wasn't going to do in college. Well, and I would imagine, though, that there's got to be some some skills from that that absolutely translate. You know, I probably have told this, you know, half a dozen times, but I was a framer for a chunk of time uh, when I was an undergraduate. And that's absolutely contributed to the way that I'll constantly like remeasure small things or, or kind of work through something. But are there skills from that that you think kind of translate in, in terms of the way that you maybe compose or, or start working through something? Um, I think there definitely is. I, I think it's just my nature to pay a lot of attention to detail. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I was a good drafter. I do pay close attention to detail. I like a complicated composition. Mm -hmm. So I, I'll get into a lot of pattern and in my compositions and my paintings and the, the collages. And I'm very patient. I will do, you know, it till it's exactly how I want it. And I think that's the training as a drafter. No, absolutely. And I'm curious then too. So there's, you know, different kind of, uh, experience of kind of balancing life and then also making where you don't have that kind of devotion and time. So was there, was there anything like ultimately that happened? Was there like a significant moment that you, you know, kind of were able to kind of shift back to, to kind of really, you know, pursuing this in a, in a different way? I always dabbled and mm -hmm. I always exposed my kids to art and talked about it. And I got art in America and, and I didn't just walk away. I just didn't have the energy with a full-time job and three kids to, to sure. put a body of work together. So they were in college, the last one, and then I had time. Once she graduated, we didn't really need the extra income. Mm -hmm. And I had started using one of the spare bedrooms to start dabbling in paint, painting again with acrylics. And my husband just said, you know, you gave up a lot, everything you ever wanted to do. And this sounds like, you know, mm. like a, oh, what a sweetheart. What <laughs> uh, he is. And he said, you just, we don't need your income. Go, go for it. Go back and do, do it full time. Go all in. And so I volunteered at what was then the Dayton Visual Arts Center, which is now called the CO and the Contemporary Dayton. And I started connecting with artists again. And one person led me to an artist named Jean Kohler, who was a plein air artist, who was also a Wright State grad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's where I started taking classes with her, courses that, to learn how to do observational painting. And I loved it. I just loved it. It was hard. As you know, plein air mm -hmm. painting is just hard, but I love being outdoors. I love the colors I saw. And I just went all in and pursued it. And she led me to Lois Dodd. She said she felt like the way I saw was similar to hers and I should look at her. So I found a workshop with Lois and I went and took a workshop with her. And I ended up taking, I think, four more workshops with her because she's just a remarkable woman. And I learned so much from her and it really, really launched my painting to what it is now. Well, and I would imagine too, it's one of those experiences where 
you get just supercharged from it, you know, in, in terms of being around, I'm sure other artists that are kind of, you know, taking these workshops and, and getting excited about, you know, the same things that you are. So, you know, that's kind of interesting to think about because, you know, that's essentially all, all like a graduate school is, you know, is to kind of be around <laughs> all these people that are, you know, exploring the things that they're passionate about. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those experiences too. Yeah. I, uh, I figured that my, I only did workshops with three different people and it was like, that was my graduate school, Lois Dodd, Elizabeth Riley and Ken Cooley. And that, I mean, everything I'm doing now relates back to what I learned from them. You know, to kind of think about some of those experiences being off in the woods or yeah. being outdoors and things like that. I'm, I'm sure some of that too is just being drawn to that. But I mean, is there, is there anything in terms of, you know, thinking about painting that or kind of being drawn into plein air that, you know, is it just kind of just being drawn to those, those visuals, the color, the, the light? It is. In fact, I would seek out, I went up to Canada up on, uh, off of Tobermory to the Georgian Bay and I'd pack up my stuff and hike a mile in to be on the, the rocks on the water. And I think that's part of my youth with all that exploring that I wasn't just satisfied to step outside and just paint what was there. I, w- I was pursuing something. I was hiking after it and going where to see a unique experience. And even now, my, I just took a trip this spring into the Hoosier National Forest and was painting in there and just got back from a residency in the Ark of Appalachia. Once again, you know, it's just beautiful. There's beautiful hiking trails and it's not just the painting, it's the outdoors, which is just so spectacular. Yeah. And, you know, as we were alluding to, there's just something so challenging about that environment. I I know that I probably mentioned this story before, but I remember you know, going out with a, an artist that I've interviewed, you know, years ago when this podcast started, probably like within the first couple of years, Matt Palford. And I remember we went out and, you know, Matt kind of paints, paints landscapes, but they're certainly more conceptualized, you know, they're kind of more imagined and, you know, informed mm-hmm. from photographs and things like that. But I just remember it was such a struggle for him to kind of adapt to that because, you know, the light is changing and, and, you know, there's just all these variables. So it sounds so exciting to kind of, you know, kind of really dive into that, you know, and again, I've, I've certainly never hiked a mile, but, um, you know, I certainly appreciate that idea of just finding a spot where you're kind of, you know, it's really resonating with you, I guess, you know, I mean, it was a breathtaking spot or these flat rocks overlooking the Georgian Bay and they were all pink and purples and with the forest behind it, then the lichen in the water it was just this yellowy color. And then uh, loons were serenading me while I was uh, painting. You can't recreate that experience. Well, and it's interesting, too. We think of that word experience. I mean, you know, certain artists will kind of be all about an experience versus, you know, their ideas or, you know, kind of trying to elicit a certain feeling from a viewer or something like that. But again, that idea of, you know, going out and experiencing the landscape, kind of kind of distilling something from it, you know, even though I know, again, everything that we make, especially from observation or something is kind of being distilled through our own lens, but mm-hmm. there's something so special about that, you know, to take stuff in. And I would imagine, again, like th- those are all the things that kind of, you know, supercharged your work. And I guess to talk about some of those specific works, which we certainly can do, I'm just going to mm-hmm. remind everybody, you know, your website is michellebondurant.net. Yes. Remind us too, what's your, what's your Instagram handle? It's Michelle underscore Bondurant Studio. Obviously too, I encourage people to go check out. There's so much great work. And again, it's 
one of the cool things about this, like as I was saying to you earlier, to be able to kind of uh, have the pleasure of sitting down with an artist and, and kind of picking their brain. But again, there's so many different kind of, you know, painting works, obviously some of the collage works that we'll be talking about. But one thing that I'm, I'm curious about, you know, we talked initially maybe about some drawing experiences. Is that something that you'll kind of do in tandem as you're, you're working from experiences out in the landscape? I don't do a ton of drawing. Mm-hmm. I've done some you know, my first experience, you know, with art was drawing, I should do more drawing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so beneficial. And of course, everybody says that, oh, I should draw more, but well, they do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so. it's almost a cliche. Oh, I should draw more. Sure. Um, I'm not one who carries a sketchbook with me and draws constantly. Mm-hmm. When I do plain air, I typically just take small, of course, different shapes with me that I can carry in my backpack and then just take my viewfinder and start looking around to try and find something that catches my attention or, you know, elicits a certain feeling of like when I was a kid hiking, certain lights, certain subject matter, and then I'll uh, pull a board out and just start painting. I've been doing some observational work, taking a larger piece with me. And I'll take more time laying in a composition now as I've gained experience with it. But I still, I, I don't do a lot of drawing. Yeah. And I'm curious then too. So, you know, usually when you're out in the field, you're, you're working some smaller panels or smaller surfaces for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's that like in terms of relationship to some of your larger works? Because, you know, some of them go up to, you know, it looks like maybe four feet. You know, again, it's it's so different for everybody, right? Because some, someone might do, you know, a bunch of six by eights that inform like a larger work. But maybe maybe break down a little bit more in terms of details, like some of the, the ways that you'll start working through paintings. Yeah, so the larger pieces actually are from observation. I've taken a, you know, a five by six canvas out and painted from it. And I have a friend who's got three acres and she's let me go out there and paint and borrow her garage to store it. So I didn't Mm -hmm. have to haul it around and I would just haul it out there and paint over. It took probably two and a half weeks to do it. And you know, you, you can't take too long because in the fall in particular, the light changes, the, the sun moves and it's just not the same light, Mm -hmm. bigger brushes, I had never painted that large. I'd always painted small, you know, 16 by 20 being the biggest. And, you know, to work something that large and put out that much paint was just, mm-hmm. well, it was exhilarating to be that physical because <laughs> I needed a step stool to get to the top of the painting. But it was a good painting. I was very happy with it when I got done. and did very little work. I brought it back to my studio and did a bit of work on it. And then I just said, it's done. I'm, I'm, it's good. I'm fine with it. A lot of those small paintings I have now started to do collage work from, uh, the painted paper work from. And so I'll bring those up in scale. They're not one-to-one. I'll do two, three, or, or just use them as a reference and do a larger collage from it. Yeah, and you've kind of indicated, too, that's something where with the collage works, you can kind of let them you know, take on certain characteristics that might be informed from those paintings. And then, you know, some of them might, might be their own thing. Cause it, it seems like you want that collage to kind of be on its own as well. I do. I do. I actually have been building some three-dimensional pieces that I can set on a table and I've collaged or painted in mm-hmm. the winter from them so that then I can be kind of inventive on 
what they are and and just kind of let them take on their own personality a little that's my love of surrealism starting to poke in there just let them be mm-hmm. more inventive in what i see and the colors i choose well and to talk about some specific works because i always love doing that hopefully hopefully again that'll sync up a little okay. bit but you know when when you were talking about that kind of you know, drafting nature, thinking about compositions. There's one called uh, Neighbor's Garage uh, Number 4. And <laughs> obviously, you know, we've talked about some where maybe you're hiking to to observe things. And you can certainly imagine this is, you know, maybe done on a deck or, or something like that. But I love how it's framed by, you know, the railings and, and the siding from, from your house. And again, it's interesting because you also kind of mentioned this interest in, in kind of like maybe light that will kind of flatten things out a little bit. And it just strikes me as, you know, one of those ones that might kind of fit some of those things that you're talking about, you know, maybe for a painting like this, I'm assuming this is something that maybe you're kind of seeing a number of times in in different lighting. And then at some point you're just like, oh my gosh, I got to paint this. Yeah, that's actually is my neighbor. I I painted that from my front porch. Uh, I did several, (laughs) I I don't know how many, there's four, five, six. And then I did some collages from them. It was one incredibly hot summer. It was just too hot to be out. It was endlessly in the 90s, mid 90s. And my porch has a ceiling fan. It's in the shade. And I looked over there and and that garage just gets this beautiful light and these beautiful shadows. And I thought, I'm just painting from here. I'm just, this is what I'm going to do because it's just, it was almost (laughs) too dangerously hot to go out. We had to be in, in the sun and I could go in and cool off if I needed to. And then I noticed that the fence and then up on the side is the, the mm-hmm. siding of my house and it framed it. And I did paintings, you know, where I, they have a tree, but then I took the tree out. So I, I played with adding and subtracting mm-hmm. elements that I saw there to create compositions. And I spent the whole summer painting that garage. And then I did another painting from the other side where I painted my other neighbor's house. <laughs> so that was my summer. To talk about that a little bit too. So like how much layering is going on in this? Because obviously, you know, there, there's plein air painting that might be, you know, a couple of sessions or one session. So that, that painting that we were just talking about, is that something that like, again, kind of slowly shifts over the course of the summer as you're maybe kind of indicating or? There's a lot of paint on there. They have a tree. I took the tree out and, because I could see that little tree in the distance. Mm-hmm. And I love the way the corners, all the little points were all coming together and it created that corridor. And I was just loving that there's an indication that there's a tree with all the shadows on the garage, but you don't see the tree. Mm-hmm. It's on a aluminum panel. And so I could really layer on paint. This painting probably was maybe over a week of going out. The light was very consistent. It was good to go out every day and work on it. You know, one of the things that strikes me too, obviously there's such richness in terms of, you know, some of the green cast shadows from the tree and then also like all the kind of like violet tones. But I'm also kind of struck by like the shadows, especially like in the the siding, you know, that kind of have this really nice kind of like warm and cool kind of relationship. I would imagine that's also some of the things that you're kind of, you know, gravitating towards when you're when you're looking for compositional ideas is just, you know, some kind of color that's that's popping out to you. Is that that the case? That is the case. You know, I, I really push the colors. In this case, I was working with trying to do complementary colors, the shadow complementary to the, the siding. 
The siding is actually beige, but I pushed it to pink and used a cool green. The shadows were great with the way it scoops on siding like that. You know, the same thing on the house, the bluey purple and going down into the, the grass. It's I look for that and I, and I intentionally do it on my collages now. I will work with, uh, when I'm painting the paper, I'll do contrasting colors over each other to make a rich color. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm, you know, choosing my colors uh, for the collage, I'll, I'll look for colors that make each other pops, you know, trying to do contrasting colors. And, and I'm doing, find myself doing that more intentionally now in my painting. Mm-hmm. The collages inform my painting, and my painting informs my collage, and I feel like they're kind of growing closer together. Well, and another thing that's really interesting, too, is like the neutral colors in there. There's another one called a Dog Anna's Yard. Uh, yeah. There's just this really nice kind of kind of neutral kind of railing, but it kind of has this pop of like this just hint of red, and it's mm-hmm. just offset by that green. But again, it kind of strikes me again, like you're you're kind of casually looking around the neighborhood or <laughs> places <laughs> that you might be out at kind of looking for these compositions or maybe just finding them. But you know, it's a really lovely kind of painting. Yeah, that was actually uh, my daughter's backyard in St. Louis. I was dog sitting mm-hmm. and I looked out and I just thought, oh, this is a great composition. The the fence with the rail that that wrap around and then the buildings and with the garage just being in the middle of it all, then their dog would come out and lay down in the same spot every day. I was like, well, I'm going to have to put him in there too. (laughs) The whole composition, I would, I just saw it out there and I thought I brought all my painting stuff with me while, because they were gone for two weeks and I was like, I'm going to paint this. Yeah. The, the grass was, it was trying to get the tones, the tones and the, the subtleness of the colors Mm-hmm. on a very sunny day was a challenge, but uh, I think it turned out well. Yeah. And I like how, especially like there's, there's a number of paintings that kind of have more, you know, architectural elements with the landscape, but the way that you start using shapes to kind of guide your eye around, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of looking for lines or, you know, ways that will kind of link up with other shapes and really kind of activate everything. So again, it's really interesting to see the way that that kind of, you know, gets explored or, you know, even in sometimes there's like this one called Garage Dormer, which again looks kind of like the the top part of a, a house or, you know, just like a little attic space or something like that. Yeah, um, that's my garage. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it was uh, COVID. You know, okay. I didn't want, you know, I started seeking out places to paint where I wouldn't have contact with anyone. And I was uh, taking the garbage out and I just saw the shadows <laughs> of the on the garage and I thought oh that's that's a great painting right there with the uh, electrical transformer and mm-hmm. and all that so I could set up where I was in the shade of the house and uh, paint the dormer well and it's it's really interesting too because like those linear elements you know certainly extend to the the landscapes where it's mostly you know just the the branches and all these this foliage kind of overlaying and I'd imagine it's a little bit different experience just because they're Again, those are so dense. So, for example, like there's um, there's one called uh, Six Trees, and you can start seeing the way that these these branches kind of like layer over one another. Um, mm-hmm. It's certainly a different kind of space. I mean, is that something then kind of like with the collages where you kind of like maybe gravitate towards one one way of working, and then you know something else will strike you like that? Up until 
this had almost always included a building in my paintings. All my early work, if you look at it, uh, COVID was the first time I started painting just trees mm-hmm. because I had access to an area where there was trees and I knew there wouldn't be anybody like walking through or bothering me. And it was a challenge. I mean, as you well know, painting just foliage like that and getting space in it is a, it's, it's difficult. So yeah, I looked at uh, how the, the linear aspects of this and how one would flow into another and how, you know, how would your eye move through the painting with all these branches? Cause you have to edit a lot of them out so mm-hmm. that it's just not all branches. You know, to kind of think about the way that you were talking about the evolution of the collages, you know, I start looking at some of these paintings of uh, foliage, you know, like there's this one called old pine, which has this really intense kind of like orange ground and all of these colors, I would imagine some of those are maybe a little bit more inventive that that maybe kind of start leading you to think about how you might play around with with those color relationships a little bit differently. Yes, this was completely invented. I did the tree is from observation. I why not experiment since I had nothing but time on my hands, you know, last year. Sure, sure. I did a ground in the cadmium orange and I know the subject matter I wanted but I'm going to do it on this. And so I had to make it work with that orange background. So hence, you know, the the distance trees were purple and I had to get that green in the tree to work and get the space in it. But I think it turned out well. It was a challenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It made me have to look harder at it. I would look at it differently to try and make it work. It definitely has carried over to the collage work because I'm I'm more inventive in my colors now than I was before. So I learned a lot from this. And and maybe talk a little bit about that, too, because, you know, we've kind of alluded to that. You start kind of hopping back and forth between these. So the collage works you kind of describe as painting with paper. Um, Are there different ways that you're kind of composing working through these? I think you kind of alluded to kind of basing them somewhat off of paintings, maybe, but... Yeah, to begin with, they were all based on paintings. And then some of them are actually from observation. My self-portrait was done in a mirror. Mm-hmm. Some of them are actually from photos. The Blue Sky PEI, I had been in uh, Prince Edward Island. And I saw these buildings. I just photographed them because I, I liked certain elements of it, the way they were on the boardwalk. And I just made that up. I took the buildings and the boardwalk, and then started to just experiment with cutting the strips to resemble the boardwalk, and just I just made it float. So that was my first breaking out of the rectangle and experimenting, and I, I loved it. And the same thing with the little pink houses. Those were, I did a painting with the little pink houses, um, but they, it was different. They were on two different levels and they had trees, but I then took those and simplified them and, and was after the shadows. And I thought I had seen the David Park exhibition in Kalamazoo and he was using red for shadows. So I decided to try that in this collage and I and it just worked mm-hmm. using the cool red. So the painting with paper is it's all over the place. And I've actually started to do some invented landscapes just 
taking what I know about landscape and seeing how that's going to work. I don't have anything up on my website about it yet because I still have a ways to to go on learning that. But <laughs> you know, that's a <laughs> that's a whole new thing. Just totally inventing. Yeah, and well, obviously too, that's something that's really interesting because I like the way that these different ways of working kind of feed each other. You know, obviously the works on paper and made of paper, I guess, is a better way to describe it, right? It's painting right. with paper. Mm -hmm. They're so much more dimensional too, in terms of the way that they're kind of, you know, popping out and, you know, the format changes, like you were kind of describing with the, with the previous painting, the blue sky PEI, you know, you kind of have these kind of different shapes and, and formats. And so, you know, I'm assuming then that that sculptural side of you, you know, in terms of your background is something that also is kind of drawing you into kind of playing around these different formats and, and shaking things up a little bit. I had been saying, I think I'm starting to come full circle. <laughs> when I did take sculpture, my drawings, I drew a lot then. I was uh, attaching wood strips and tape and wire to my drawings, and they were very physical and um, I can see my collages beginning to head in that direction of even adding some other element besides paper to these collages. I really enjoy Mark Bradford's work and Angel Otero and, and people who are that they put other elements into their collages. And so uh, I don't know where these are going to go, but I do feel like I'm coming back around. My sculptural background is starting to show up in these. And what do you think about relative to like editing? Because obviously like, you know, working, working outdoors, <laughs> as we've kind of discussed, has a certain challenge to it. But I would imagine then, you know, there's like a way that you can kind of like start piecing these compositions together. And obviously they can be altered maybe a little bit differently, but maybe, maybe talk a little bit about how the processes are different for you. I'm starting to break away, but I, I do rely on what I see. Mm -hmm. I've not painted and made anything up. For some reason, with the collages, I feel a certain freedom to use what I see as reference and then break away from that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because of the physicality of it and that it's not it's not on this rectangle. I'm just starting with nothing and throwing pieces of paper down and attaching more paper on top of it. But I do find myself exploring more with the collage work than with my painting. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I need to start building frames that are not square or rectangular mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to start doing the same thing. I, I'm not sure. We'll see where that goes. It's really interesting too, because like there's this, you know, work uh, called summer, uh -huh. which, which again has all of these, you know, tree components, like some of your other, you know, pieces do, but the thing that's interesting to me too is there's some real flatness to some of them, you know, almost maybe, you know, just a couple of variations. Whereas maybe if you're painting it, there's going to be all of these, you know, subtle variations. So it kind of draws attention to the flatness, but it's really still informed by all of your color choices. So again, it's just, again, really interesting to see the, the subtle variations from it. This was taken from a plein air painting and the painting just didn't turn out. The colors are muddy. I couldn't get any space in it. it was one of those ones where I should just toss this, but I liked the composition. And so I decided to collage it to resolve issues that I couldn't resolve in the painting. Mm -hmm. I did it one-to-one. -one. They're exactly the same size because it was a, a lesson on how do I separate this density of trees to make sense instead of just this mush of green. 
so I, once again, the freedom of making that one tree forward, the light yellow tree, so much lighter than it was when I painted it. And uh, making the background trees that dark purple with pink highlights. I mean, I didn't do that in my painting, but I can do it in a collage. I think I give myself more permission to play and experiment with these than I do when I'm actually seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, there's also like different exploration of, of the materials too, obviously because of that paper being present. There's even some of them that are really kind of thin, you know, in terms of the application. So that's something that's really interesting to mm-hmm. me. There's one called Fruitless Stand 5, oh. which again is super abstracted. You kind of have that form of, of like a fruit stand, but then again, it just, you know, you would never necessarily know that it's based off of, you know, like something that was anything other than self-referential kind of like abstract kind of work. But I mean, again, I can totally get that idea of, you know, like you're just kind of trying things out and, you know, really exploring um, different elements that you, you know, aren't, aren't as uh, open to exploring, I guess, when you're, you're just painting just from observation. Yeah. I mean, this is where you, uh, you put a time limit on yourself and this was taken from an oil painting called Fruitless Stand. That was the original one. And, one of my very early collages, so you can see that if the original fruitless stand, which has purple, is pretty straightforward. It's when I was I was teaching myself to collage. But then, you know, as I was learning more about collaging, it's just like don't let myself be the drafter mm-hmm. and spend hours and hours trying to make it perfect. You know, I've, I've got ten minutes to do this. What are the big elements? Boom, boom, boom. Be done. And yeah, it becomes very abstract. Well, and it's interesting too, to kind of go back into some of the, you know, earlier kind of uh, cut paper works. There's one called Walking Away, which again, you can kind of see there's maybe more of that really complex kind of painterly element, you know, in terms of all the layers and, and maybe the way that you're kind of adding to this. So it's interesting to see the range, especially, you know, from the recent works, which again, really seem to kind of explore those materials in a different way. And it, again, very exciting stuff. Oh, thank you. The early ones are, I'm, I'm totally self-taught. I'm totally <laughs> trying to figure out how this collage thing works, trying to figure out the materials, how to make it stay together. I, I had been doing it before I started going to someone going, how do we do that? How do you go? <laughs> what is this process? Sure, sure. And, and I guess to kind of think about, you know, the, the course of the last, you know, year and a half or so, I mean, have you found that like, even though, you know, things obviously, you know, became quite challenging for, for a lot of folks during the, the pandemic, I would imagine that that's something that also kind of allowed you to kind of like look at things in a different way in terms of making work? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't do a lot of collage work in 2020. I painted, I did more paintings in 2020 than I have in a year in my life. I mean, I, I was painting daily. I was trying to stay away from people and still do something mm-hmm. and not just stay at home. And so, like I said, I have a friend who has three acres of land. And then I went down, you know, the original residency got postponed and a couple of us rented uh, a place down in the Ark of Appalachia and went down there and painted. We all tested to make sure no one had COVID. And then three of us went down there and painted. And, but it was great. I mean, I was outdoors painting, doing two paintings a day, morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon. And it was just great to be outside doing something and enjoying it and not having all the, you know, the pressure of COVID and being careful and 
even the politics. It was just, it just was an escape. I feel like, you know, it's been different for everybody, you know, in terms of hardships and, and how to work through those. And, you know, obviously it sounds like you've made a, a lot of work since then and, and allowed it to kind of supercharge your studio. It was, it was terrible, but it was, uh, it was really great for my painting because mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was forced to just dive in. And I'm curious, you know, we kind of maybe briefly mentioned this too, but then, you know, maybe talk a little about this uh, self-portrait because it seems like, again, almost like a, a time marker, you know, because, you know, aside from, from this one, I don't know that there's necessarily maybe just one other one that has kind of like figurative elements, but is that something kind of just to kind of, you know, mark the occasion in terms of like, you've been putting all this time in, you've been exploring, this is like... well. My daughter was having a baby in January, uh, December last year, COVID baby. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I went out because they had uh, dogs. They asked, you know, can you come out? Of course, you know, you don't, want, don't know when you're going to deliver. And so we rented an Airbnb. And I said, I can't not work for three weeks, three, four weeks. So I brought all my uh, collaging painted paper with me. We rented a two-bedroom Airbnb, and I set up a studio in one. I brought a mirror. I brought my cutting mat, you know, everything I needed. So while we were waiting for the baby, I worked on my uh, self-portrait. I hadn't done a self-portrait since I was 17. <laughs> I thought, well, it's about time I did one. So uh, I don't typically do a figure, but I would like to do another one. I I learned a lot from this, and I don't know why I don't do the figure. I did one observational collage live from the figure. There's it's a seated woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was also wonderful. It's it's hard to collage from observation because you've got all these scraps of paper just going everywhere. But it's very fulfilling because you're, you know, it, it's it's like painting. You're uh, you're looking at shapes and uh, the composition and so, yeah, so it was a marker. It was, uh, it was the beginning of 2021 and I had a new grandchild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like, again, I know I've said it before, but it sounds like you're in a spot where, you know, you're able to kind of, you know, jump between these various modes of working and they all kind of, you know, continually kind of inform each other and, and kind of help, you know, push you into, into new directions. It is. It is. My last actual painting I did, I find uh, it's the one called Trellis. Mm-hmm. You know, the colors are bolder. Um, I see a relationship with that closer to my collage work and uh, the way it's done than any of my other paintings. That it's it's I've pushed the color mm-hmm. and simplified the shapes. And I think I learned a lot from my color choices with the collage work that I finally have started using in my paintings. That's a beautiful one as well, too. So yeah, again, it's so interesting to see the, those relationships, especially with color, too. I mean, I think that's something that, you know, really drew me into your work, you know, and especially to kind of see it explored with a different material and to see those, you know, things that are same and then things that kind of shift dramatically. And, you know, it's just exciting stuff. So oh, thank you. I guess, you know, to kind of think about it relative to things that are coming up, are you, you know, working away towards shows? It looks like you've kind of got some some things in, in the, you know, development stages and, and, you know, closing exhibitions and it seems like you're staying pretty busy. I'm actually busier than I had planned on being for <laughs> this time of year because some opportunities came up that you didn't want to say no to. I was asked to be in a, a Zuxus 
exhibition in New York, uh, works on of paper. So I currently have two pieces there that opens November 6th and runs through January. And I also got invited to be in the show in Columbus, Ohio at the Sarah Gormley Gallery, uh, which will be opening December 5th. It's five women works on paper, five different approaches to working on paper. So it'll be really exciting show. I've got a three-person exhibition at the Dayton Society of Artists here in Dayton, Ohio, with two other painters. And that'll be a mix of paintings and collages for me, ones that I feel like talk to each other. And then I have a solo show in late June to July at the Prince Street Gallery in New York. So I'm very excited about that. I'm working on getting a body of work together for that. Wow. It's again, sounds like, uh, all of this has kind of yielded, you know, all these opportunities, but I would imagine it's mostly just again, cause you've been putting so much work into it. So, you know, it's like, I kind of always joke around about karmically kind of like having the universe pay you back, but, um, you know, <laughs> it seems, it seems yeah. like it's worked out that way, you know, very busy stuff. So, yeah, I know. I, I, I was at one point going, yikes, what, did, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? But it's all good. I mean, I, you know, it's what we, I've been working toward and I'm happy with it all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And remind everybody, you know, where's the best place to kind of stay up to date with some of these, you know, announcements and, and things like that? Is it, is it your website or is it more Instagram or, or both or? Both, uh, probably Instagram more than my website. Cause that's more of a, you know, a regular thing. Probably have more new work. I don't always get all my new work up on my website, but I do keep a news list of upcoming shows on my website. I try and keep that current, but it'd be, yeah, michellebonderant.net or Michelle Bondurant Studio on Instagram. Well, again, it's been amazing talking to you. I hope everybody, you know, really takes a, a deep look at at all the work. I mean, it's so so lovely and and so much to check well, thank out. So, you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Thanks once again to Michelle for joining me. Be sure to follow her on Instagram, Michelle underscore Bondurant underscore Studio. Again, plenty of work to see there and lots of announcements. You can also find more work and more news at michellebondurant.net, all about those upcoming shows like the one at Zuxus in on of paper that opens November 6th through January 7th at Three Space in New York. Five Women Works on Paper that opens at Sarah Gromley Gallery in Columbus, Ohio, December. And of course, her solo exhibition next June at First Street Gallery in Manhattan. Brief reminder again that our professional competition is now open. Our juror this year is the fantastic painter and host of I Like Your Work podcast, Erica B. Hess. She'll be selecting 10 artists for an upcoming episode and appearance on studiobreak.com that includes a feature of their work as well as an interview. We're also going to be giving away two solo exhibitions, one at Hedgehog Gallery in West Chicago and the other is at My Studio Break Gallery that will be opening up in 2022 in West Chicago. So once again, head on over to studiobreak.com to find out how. Look for our pro competition page. It's super easy. You submit a small fee. You submit an email with your information and you are done. The competition's open to all 2D and 3D professional artists. I would note to students that we do have a student annual in the spring, so keep an eye out for that. And of course, if you're interested, please apply. If you know anybody that should be applying, please share this opportunity. It'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. 
If you're new to the podcast, just remember that we've got a big archive of podcasts on studiobreak.com. Each of those posts there have images of the artist's artwork, links to their websites, and of course you can listen to the interviews right there on studiobreak.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast, and then that way you've always got something to listen to in the studio. And just to highlight some recent episodes, we had 266 with painter Erica B. Hess. That was fantastic. Kelda Martinson for 265, who's a printmaker from the Seattle area. We talked to Karen Mintzmoyer for episode 254. She's a mixed media sculpture and installation artist who does public works as well. We talked to painter Gabe Longhorns for 249, who's from Austin, Texas. We talked with Canadian printmaker and installation artist Sean Caulfield for number 248. So plenty to listen to. And of course, you can follow us and like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break. And of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. Music for today's podcast features Golden Shadow, which is myself on guitar, Ben Cohan on drums, Brett Beery on bass. You can check out Ben's paintings by checking out his Instagram. That's Studio. You can check out Brett Beery and listen to his albums on Bandcamp. Just follow him at Brett Beery on Instagram. You can find a link there. Of course, you can find my paintings at davidlinaway.com. Check out those there and say hello. And of course, it's always great hearing from listeners. And I want to give a special shout out to Ken Rutsky. That's art from H-Y-U-N on Instagram. Plenty of great paintings there. And again, thanks so much. Glad that you enjoy the podcast and always enjoy listening to it. Always great hearing from listeners. And of course, be sure to say hello, everybody. It's always nice hearing from folks. And likewise, I wish everyone a very productive studio. Hope everybody's doing awesome. We'll talk to you real soon.